Hi, this is Corey. Welcome to episode 11 of the Teach in 10 podcast. In this episode, we will be talking to the current superintendent of District 155, Steve Olson. Steve will be retiring at the end of this year, and we wanted to take this opportunity to learn more about what he has learned during his time as an educator and his hopes and dreams for the future of education. Let's take a listen. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we like to start by asking all of our guests to share a memory or a random fact about D155, and I know that you've been here for many years. Can you uh, share a fact with us? Yeah, 38 years in one district. It's kind of unheard of. I'm kind of a unicorn when it comes to that, I guess, in many respects. But, uh, you know, I would say that uh, Crystal Lake Central will be celebrating their 100th year next year, and uh, that certainly is kind of the founding of the district. So I guess you could say that the district is 100 years old next year. That's amazing. And I believe you've been at two of the four buildings, correct? Right. I started my career at Crystal Lake South uh, back in 1985 when you guys may or may not have been alive. I'm not sure. <clears throat> but uh, And then went over to Crystal Lake Central to become the uh, principal in uh, 2000. So you probably don't know this, but I am a Gator and you are the athletic director while I was there. But I'm not very athletic. So there's a reason <laughs> you probably did not know that. Well, I... I was the athletic director there, I think, for three years. I had kind of the opportunity and been very blessed in that respect to have a variety of careers within a career in education, um, starting out as a social science teacher for seven or eight years, becoming a guidance counselor after that, um, an athletic director, a dean of students, uh, vice principal, had some stops along the way coaching uh, football, basketball, and track, and then went to Central as the vice principal for a year to become the principal thereafter, and then currently as a superintendent. How has wearing all of those hats helped you in your role that you are in currently? Well, I, I'd like to believe I kind of know what it means to be a bus driver. I was a handicapped bus driver all the way through college um, with four wheelchair kids on the bus and uh, was a custodian at my church. So I know what it means to strip a floor and wax a floor and do all those types of things uh, along with the uh, roles in education as well. So I think I have a sense of the time commitment that a lot of these things take. I will say though that it's it can be dangerous because I was an athletic director uh, 25 years ago. It's not the same job. Just like a lot of these jobs that I had way long ago have changed. Uh, I can't imagine quite frankly to be in the classroom right now because it's been so long mm -hmm. and so many changes have taken place. So Steve, could you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to become an educator? I'm a first-generation uh, college graduate. Uh, my mom was a uh, principal secretary for a number of years. My dad worked in a lab, and uh, I think it was just a matter of uh, I had some really inspiring teachers in high school, uh, had a great experience, was uh, involved in a lot of things, went to a small high school. And uh, my oldest sister, who was uh, became a, uh, she was a professor, she just retired here this past year from uh, Winona State University. And just seeing that, uh, through, through her eyes and through um, my teacher's eyes, I think was really a reason why I got into it. And obviously no regrets because you're still here. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I've uh, enjoyed my journey through the district. Um, it's been wonderful to have these uh, various experiences, um, having the opportunity to uh, work with kids the way I've had over the, the number of years, probably the hardest part of some of these jobs being kind of away from students because that's why you get into it moving forward. And uh, stayed a little longer than I guess I really needed to, but uh, just continued to enjoy it. And I'm leaving the job, still enjoying it. 
and we certainly needed you to stay a little bit longer. Um, we've appreciated your leadership through COVID especially, um, but we've had some really difficult times recently. Yeah, I, I think for all of us in education, I mean, we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about people just in general and what their capacity was to deal with uh, um, strife in their life, uh, anguish, uh, issues that <clears throat> came up, whether it was dealing with something as tragic as someone passing uh, during COVID to uh, just figuring out how to educate kids uh, in the most effective way possible. And, you know, the, the inspiring thing for me through all of that was that I'm I'm aware of what uh, districts went through with their uh, teaching staff. And uh, I'm really proud of the fact and the way and manner in which we work to educate students throughout COVID, that COVID experience and really the outreach that we were able to provide is not necessarily a customary to a lot of districts out there. So it's really an indication of uh, the folks we have working here, the Board of Education, I think the leadership, and really our community as a whole was uh, pretty understanding through most of it. And I think it transformed education. I don't think it left any of us untouched or unchanged. Well, when you take a student management system that was supposed to be a three-year rollout and you do it in about six months, I think that says a lot about our a level of flexibility and understanding and really putting students first and making sure that we're serving them to the best of our ability. Absolutely. So if you had to distill 38 years in one district, down to one memory that truly embodies your time here, what would it be? Yeah, that's that's a tough question because there are obviously memories in each of those roles that I've had the opportunity to serve uh, uh, students. I will say that I probably learned a lot about myself uh, through becoming a Dean of Students um, because I'm an inherently a pretty nice guy, I'd like to believe. Um, so enforcing rules and making sure that kids are following rules is not necessarily uh, a fun thing to do. I, I really admire our deans that we have in the district that have done it for 15, 20 years. I mean, it's, it's a tough job. And I would say that the memory that uh, I really reflect on is that opportunity at graduations when I was a dean of students, when students were were tough, mm -hmm. tough to work with, and uh, them coming up to you at after they receive their diploma and recognizing what an impact you had on them to get them over the finish line. And they really um, appreciated that at that point in their life and at that point in time. And in fact, those are some of the adults now that I run into from time to time in the community that still talk about those days. Um, so it's a lot of fun in that regard. You've talked about challenges and you've talked about how our education has shifted so much, especially in those last couple of years. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that you see education facing today? Well, I think anytime you are dealing in public education, you, you want what's best for kids and you have to do it in a fiscally responsible manner because ultimately at the end of the day, the taxpayers are, are paying for that uh, opportunity for their kids. So being mindful of that, I think is, especially in this seat, um, having respect for that and making sure that we're serving kids the best we can. I think it's also the realization is we're struggling right now to find uh, people that want to enter into education and uh, getting kids to be inspired about that and see that as a potential career, finding some of our best and brightest to enter into the field of education, I think is something that 
we really have to work hard at. And I think too that, you know, obviously in, in the hearts and minds of all people right now, I think when it comes to public education is making sure that we've created a, a safe environment where kids have opportunities and we want to create those opportunities that go outside the four walls of a school. So some of those opportunities can impact your ability to maintain a safe and orderly environment for uh, students and for our faculty. So putting all those things together, I think, are just a matter of a lot of conversations and making sure that we're serving kids and getting them ready for their next step. That whole concept of enter with promise and leave with purpose, which our mission statements suggest, is so critical for them to have some of these real life experience to prepare them for the next step. That's been awesome watching, um, just talking with Justin about those career experiences and those opportunities to get our students out into the community too. So, oh, definitely. So what makes you most hopeful about the future? Well, I'm sitting with two people that <laughs> well, thank uh, you. offer that sense of hope in, in regard to uh, what the uh, next generation of education can look like. I'm inspired by the fact that we made so many adjustments here in the last four or five years that would indicate to me that our <clears throat> people are willing and able to do those types of things. And certainly that puts a lot of stress on, on people, on the organization, on families, on kids. Uh, and so that idea for me is, uh, you know, one of my statements that I talk about is uh, success is only possible when it goes no faster than readiness. And so what that suggests is that I may feel like I have a great idea, but until I can inspire others to think it's a great idea, it's really not a great idea. Um, and so I think we've seen a receptivity to those types of uh, things that is very inspiring. And it goes beyond the scope of, uh, I think, technology. It's us being mindful about this social and emotional readiness of kids, uh, the academic side of things, recognizing that it's not just a test score, that is really about educating kids for all walks of life and preparing them for those opportunities uh, moving forward. So it, I find it very inspiring and it probably makes it a little easier to leave. You know, we have come accustomed in this district to getting your inspirational emails filled with books that you read and words of wisdom. So it is said that with experience comes wisdom. What are some parting words that you have for us? Well, I, you know, and I reflected on on that idea because we just had a retirement luncheon here um, a few days ago, and you know, I, I did. I was a head basketball coach for a few years, and John Wooden was a, a very successful college coach, and his mantra was really "Be quick, but don't hurry." And I, I think it is so imperative that we are quick about what we do to kind of make sure we're staying with the flow and and getting uh, kids ready for their future. But we can't be hurried about it. We have to be thoughtful about it. We have to work collectively and collaboratively together in order to uh, make those things a reality moving forward. And I also think that we oftentimes put a lot of stress and pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And when we do that, I, I think it just builds on itself. So this idea of doing the best we can and recognizing that, that question, that compelling question of will it really matter a year from now? has allowed me to, and in the roles that I've had, recognize that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not be perfect, but as long as you're learning from those opportunities uh, moving forward. And when I think about that, you know, um, for me, it's the last lap as far as an education in, in District 155. And the last lap can be, and many times, in a race the most difficult. And so the challenges that uh, have occurred 
through this last lap are just maintaining a focus and, and, and having us hire great people into these different positions that are, are coming up from a leadership perspective and, and teachers as well. But uh, recognizing that I'm looking at a new starting line, and I think we all do that when we maybe make a change in our role, whatever that change might be. So I would encourage us to recognize that, reflect on the past, live in the moment, and look to the future. And by doing that, it allows you to make that adjustment, take what you've learned, and move into that next uh, step for all of us uh, from an educational perspective uh, moving forward. Speaking of future, I know that you are always reading. So what is on your bookshelf for when you retire? Do you have a book that you're waiting to read or maybe one that you're reading well, right now? It's funny. I'm, I'm taking a class right now with our, our next superintendent. He and I are working on this course together. And I wanted to do that, uh, give him the opportunity to ask me lots of questions and us to just share some time together. And the, uh, the class itself is called Transformational Leadership. And through that process, I, I think we're learning a lot about what it means to transform an organization and what that looks like. So anything I right now that I'm looking at doing is uh, kind of geared towards transforming things. Um, and I think for me, I'm starting to look at some of the books that I've read like years ago that I don't necessarily remember from Pat, Patrick Lencioni to uh, 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 Jim Collins to some of the other authors that are out there and uh, looking to try to reread some of those things and kind of grasp some of the knowledge that was garnered 20 years ago that maybe has kind of left the, the gray hair here uh, moving forward. So that's really been the focus here most recently. So I love that you and Neil are an incoming superintendent are taking a course together. I think that emphasizes the um, how strongly we believe in relationships here at the district and what a foundation they are for your leadership. I think you're very relationship kind of focused. Absolutely. And I, I you know, and I, I guess I looked at it as somewhat of a gift to the district as far as um, spending that time, because uh, as you know, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the role. And, about a uh, week? Yeah, about a week or two days yeah. before opening day. Um, so that in itself was kind of a, a mind, reminder for me to the, the mentors that I've had that have prepared me for that next leap have been really appreciated. People like Larry O'Meara, Gary Collins, I could, the list goes on. And they always really were good about spending time with me to prepare me and, and realizing that I was going to have to cut my own teeth a little bit too, but getting me prepared for that. So I, I'd like to think that this might be an opportunity for others to perhaps look at um, that mentoring process, what that could look like potentially, especially as some of us in the um, generation of uh, that I've grown up in are retiring and leaving. And I think some folks are having to step into some of these leadership roles a little bit uh, younger than perhaps others did in uh, the previous generation, the baby boomer generation. And so I think that preparation is just one of the uh, facets of growth that has to take place. And are there any plans for retirement? What are you looking forward to? Well, as I've told others, we loved our kids so much. We have four children and that three of them moved to California and one's in Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. So um, we'll be traveling to go see them and uh, hopefully uh, working on them to move back to the Midwest because I'm a Midwest kid at heart and uh, I don't have any desire to do that. So in the short term, we had our first grandchild here about a year ago. Um, so spend some time with him out in California now. 
um, and do some of those things. And then I, I'm looking at doing some consulting work with a, an organization as well. So staying busy, but not too busy. Awesome. That's incredible. And you deserve all that fun time with your family and your grandson. And really, we just appreciate, you know, all the wisdom that you've shared with us today and you've shared with us for the last 30 plus years. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, um, I think my wife, Joan, appreciates that too, uh, because you've kept me out of the house uh, more than... uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I want to give a shout out to Joan as well, because uh, as uh, Jay suggested at the luncheon, um, she was really the superintendent for the past five or six years. So, uh, and there's some truth to that, but um, having someone there to support you is certainly a big part of uh, what life's all about. That's incredible. So thank you again for everything that you've done for our whole district and for, again, being here today. And we'd also like to thank our audience for listening. So if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be notified when future episodes drop. This is the last episode for this school year, but we'll be picking up again in the fall. Um, Each episode will be full of easy to implement best practices shared by the educators who are actually doing the teaching. Again, we're just here to have a good conversation with amazing educators in D155. Our mission is to highlight and amplify the amazing things that are happening in our classrooms. Please help us expand our reach by leaving a rating or review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you are a teacher at District 155 and you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you know someone we should have on, um, there's a contact form on our podcast page. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.